Welcome to the Marshall Proof Podcast. In our Week in IndyCar interview series, who do we have? Oh my guys. Uh, just a badass of epic proportions. That being the, all caps, Felix Rosenquist. Don't forget the V in there, boys and girls. It's not Quist <laughs> KW. It's, there's a V, right, Felix? We got to respect the V. Respect the V. I like it, man. All right. Too well, many people have not respected the V. Respect the V, darn it. I mean, we're going to get that fixed and then world domination. But let me say a, a real quick thank you, as always, to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and our newest partner, Felix. Discount Tire between Discount and Cooper, those two fine companies. Big part of the American Junior Open Wheel program in particular the usf championships presented by cooper tires you being someone who we knew of for a long time before you came this way but when you did head over here you put those cooper tires through a lot of good work making a name for yourself in indy lights getting signed by chip ganassi racing and now really things on an upswing for you especially coming out of detroit right with your aero mclaren team now we're headed, Felix, into a place that holds very special meaning for you, a place where you have sprayed champagne from the top step of the rostrum there. Tell me about going to Road America, brother, and what feels like really good momentum behind you and the entire Aero McLaren team. Uh, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. I think, uh, you know, I don't really associate it only with, you know, my win there but in general I, I like the place i think it's a beautiful facility uh, i feel lucky every time i'm there you know it's a long track long lap uh, i love long laps for whatever reason it's always been uh, i think it's cool when you're out on a mission for almost two minutes like in qualifying you know one little mistake there's no there's no way you can just get another go like the, the lap is the lap and, and, and i always respect that with tracks like road america spa lamar nurburgring you know macau i was gonna say macau because uh, i mean granted that it's a street circuit with them some crazy risks or, or things that can go wrong if you make the slightest mistake but that is a long old lap filled with potential danger at every turn and you seemingly mastered that play so to me again no surprise that hear a ton of high commitment corners at road american you seem to fit right in yeah it's uh, it's also cool to get back now they've they've improved the the facility with new tarmac this year which is is super cool you know we tested there last week and the lap times are are way quicker it seems like and i think they could continue to get quicker because uh, it was actually i heard some reports that it was actually slippier to start with and now it's quicker so who knows where it's going to go, but uh, yeah, new challenge. It, you kind of have to throw uh, the past in the bin a little bit and um, just take on the new track. And I think that's going to be probably the biggest challenge this weekend, but it's also a fun challenge. You know, I think, I think everyone loves uh, when it's, you know, like going to Detroit, for example, or Nashville last year, you, you get something new in the calendar, which is kind of rare. So it's, it's an exciting little thing during, during the, the season. So we think of places like Barber, Mid-Ohio in particular, with a lot of quick kind of switchback, high commitment, some of them pretty high G corners where from a neck or a wrist or a forearm or whatever standpoint, you wear yourself out pretty quickly. 
There's some pauses between some of the corners of Road America, obviously, Felix, because again, as you said, there's it's a pretty long stretched out track, but give folks an idea of brand new tarmac, almost like Velcro uh, for those those tires of yours in some of the faster corners. You feel any of that extra loading on yourself just from the uh, the added grip that we have? Um, it, it's always interesting because so when we tested it last week, obviously the lap times were a fair bit quicker. Actually, I think more than four seconds quicker oh, than uh, than on the red tires. So it could potentially be even more. But if you would have asked me when I did that lap time. Um, how many seconds quicker it was. I'd probably say like one second. So there's a gap in what you feel and what's reality. And and because it's so smooth, you actually don't feel that it's that quick. And I I wouldn't say it's very physical still. Like Road America has never been known for being a physical track. As you say, there's a lot of of, uh, straights and kind of low grip. But now it's high grip and long straights. But yeah, it it was pretty... It wasn't at the level of barber or... um, or mid or high in terms of physicality. But I, th- I think also the bumps uh, sometimes benefit or they contribute to, you know, more fatigue in the car. But th- this track now is like a long straight, high grip, and very low bumps. So uh, it, it, it's still kind of chill, you know. It, it, it's it's still on the low end of physicality tracks. So um, Not too bad. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's weird. I, I remember in Hungaroring, uh, when I raced Formula 3, they repaved that track. And it was kind of a similar experience at Road America. Like, uh, you know, no, they took away all the bumps. Uh, lap times were seconds faster, but still it didn't feel faster. It's kind of weird. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, I think it's an improvement for sure. I think it was probably a bit due. Uh, you know, I, someone told me they haven't, they never repaved it since it was built, which I'm not sure is true, but... Uh, the, yeah, I think I think it was time for a new one, and they did a great job. Did you or any of the other IndyCar drivers go down to Turn One to watch Scott McLaughlin in his SpaceX launch? Uh, <laughs> because that crazy SOB, uh, at least from the the onboard that he showed, uh, not only did he go past the intended racing surface, but also managed to find what looked like a ramp to outer space and i think he said from the onboard data i think he said his number three chevy traveled something like 85 feet in the air and did some damage to the floor but uh did any of you guys kind of try to talk to him and say hey man uh race cars or outer space flight pick one but you can't do both with the same car that guy's crazy right that's like evil knievel level of uh, feats <laughs> evil Kamaglocklin, i think yeah but uh it did raise the point of like hey when we think of a repaved track we think of everything being perfect and great and lap times plummet and grips everywhere but like yeah, there's some new things to explore and find as well and some of them come the hard way i guess at minimum every driver realizes okay maybe you can go a little wide in turn one but get your behind back on the track pretty soon otherwise uh it might be another uh, Elon Musk <laughs> space launch. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's always a challenge with single seaters because we run our cars lower than any others. You know, I'm sure if you if you drove there with a Carrera Cup car or a Sprint car or something like that, it would have been completely fine. And something that sticks out, you know, half an inch from the ground for us is pretty much a mountain. Uh, 
And uh, I, I think it's something that they can probably work on. And I'm sure someone has probably told, you know, IndyCar or, or the or the organizers that that's, I mean, we all saw it on Twitter. So I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll take care of it. And I wouldn't say there was anything else like that on the track. It was fairly uneventful, uh, at least from my point of view, where, you know, it was just a very smooth experience overall. But uh, I, I had the benefit of running day two after we saw that. So I made sure I didn't put my car where, where Scott put his car. <laughs> Thanks, McLaughlin. You uh, took the bullet for all of us, and uh, we yes. appreciate that. Let me go back a minute to uh, Detroit, Felix, and I got to watch that while over uh, in Lamont. Thank you to VPN and uh, Peacock, by the way. A um, lot was made of your late race uh, on-track action and behavior with your teammate, Alexander Rossi. I appreciated what he said. I just got a clip of it. Uh, from his podcast, the uh, the off track with Hinch and Rossi that he did, where he said it seemed like some folks were really trying to make a big deal out of that, and he did not see it as some sort of huge offense or breach in etiquette by you. I watched it and said, A, good for you, man, because you were being very aggressive, and it was with a teammate, but you were not being overly aggressive, causing your teammate's car damage and, and you know, binning him to go forward. But the thing that stood out to me, Felix, that I'd love to just get your insights on, had you seen that gap and not gone for it, that would have done more damage to you in your short-term and long-term career uh, than anything else because the minute you show folks eh, I'm going to pass up on a pretty you know decent chance to improve a position here a little bit risk a little bit of a risk involved but eh, uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tap the brakes and let that go the minute you show that you're that guy you are the weak uh, animal in the herd that folks just expect to pick off can you speak to that a little bit because i didn't see it as you being a jerk towards your teammate i saw you as doing the thing you're paid to do and at least from what rossi said he seemed to appreciate the fact that you did exactly what you're paid to do yeah i mean it's always a thin thin line right i think um as, as you say you know we we all get paid to to go for it because you know we're programmed differently than normal human beings that you know most of us walking around out there probably wouldn't have gone for it, but you know that's what we get paid to do. And uh, if we don't do that, we have a problem. But at the same time, you're fighting a teammate, and you have to uh, you have to manage risks, right? And uh, well, I, I thought honestly, starting the movie was pretty low risk, um, and I think what happened later just turned into you know we we ran pretty close, but it wasn't really it wasn't nothing super crazy we were we were tussling a little bit and it, it's a tight track it's a very thin racing line you know it's marbles outside and you know it's obviously in alex's interest to not run out in the marbles and uh it was in my interest just to get alongside him and and uh, the, yeah there's there's lack of space uh but i think as alex said you know there wasn't really a big deal we talked about it afterwards and it was cool and and it wasn't 
there wasn't any intentions from an, anyone to put each other in the wall. And I, I think we both pretty much did what we should. Um, is there is it nerve wracking for for us and our our team? Yes, I mean it's it's. I think I, I said it after the race. Like it, it's a it's a luxury position. It's a luxury problem to have because we're. We're up there. We're fighting almost every weekend. Like me and Alex have actually been fighting every single weekend with each other on track at some point, which is crazy. Um, but it's a luxury problem to have. You know, we we just have to figure out how we want to deal with that. And and um, you know, maybe we would both taper down a little bit, but we we think we pretty much did what, as you say, what we're paid to do. And uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was great racing. I mean, I. I truly enjoyed it. it was, I think that's why it was one of my happier podiums because it was just such an awesome fight. And, and, you know, you had to, you know, at some point you're P5 and then you're P3 and then, you're, you know, it just changes all the time. That's what's cool. You know, you, you really have to take what's yours if you want to finish up there. Let's close on one or two things, Felix. So going into Road America, you are sitting P10 in points one point behind Colton Herta. I think if we went into this season and said, hey, nearing the halfway point of the season, you'd be one point behind Herta, who I think was was predicted by many, myself included, to be in the title hunt. I'm guessing you would have been pretty okay with that. Not too far out of moving up to P8, P7, right? Will Power in eighth, McLaughlin in seventh, Rossi in sixth, Going to need a good race or two to, to draw down some of the uh, the gap there, but give me a feeling for where you're at in this season. And we spoke about momentum to open. You feeling that still? You feeling like, okay, we're, we're starting to ride a wave of positivity. I know, obviously, the Indy 500 didn't exactly go the way you wanted, but, I mean, look, man, uh, Long Beach, P7, Barber, P9, uh, Indy Grand Prix, P5. Like, if you look at your last five races, man, you are putting together some good strong runs, good solid points. Is that something you think you can keep doing? Yeah, I mean, it's it's always... I think if you ask every single driver, like no one, maybe Palou maybe and Marcus would be happy with their results but uh i mean i started a season with two dns and i got another one in at the 500 so for me i i'm more i feel more like it's a miracle that we're p10 uh with something that i think should have been a lot more but it doesn't really matter i'm not really looking at at the past and I, i'm more living in the feeling that we have now which is honestly since the start of the season we've been super good we've been solid and every qualifying i think we're probably one of the best average qualifier of, of, of the season um we felt we felt great on race pace this year which is i think it's the first time in in any season that i'm just been solid in every race uh you know race pace has been kind of my issue for the last two years and it's been improving but this year it's actually been bang on uh, everywhere so yeah I, i'm living in that feeling and and that's kind of everything we need. You know, we need to obviously execute races and and uh, and keep having the pace that we had. But uh, yeah, I I think P10 is not where you know. I don't want to end my year there, uh, but I'm happy that we're there. It seems like we've been a bit lucky with other people having DNFs and such. So um, 
so yeah, we'll we'll take that, and from here on, we try to just follow that wave and and uh, see how far up we can climb. You know, one of the underreported aspects of your season so far is if you look at your close pal and teammate Pato Award, he's continuing year after year after year with the same race engineer, the extremely talented Will Anderson. If you look at new teammate Alexander Rossi, he is paired with your engineer from last year, the Hall of Famer, engineering Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, Craig Hampson. You're getting to work with a new race engineer, not someone you're unfamiliar with, but in terms of being an IndyCar race engineer in charge of your entry. Can you speak to uh, to him and that relationship here because of the underreported side told folks from the beginning of the season that this is what you had and something the two of you would need to work through and find that chemistry. Well, here we are. And again, I know you've had a couple of those DNFs that obviously uh, you didn't want, but the results you've had so far, especially a podium at the last race, speak to the fact that the two of you found a pretty damn good groove and almost right away, Felix. Yes, I, I think that's, uh, for me, that's clearly the, the story of this season uh, when it comes to, you know, the six car. Uh, I think as a group overall, we, we, you know, come together really well. We have a really st- solid group. But that, you know, the, the relationship between the driver and the engineer is crucial. You know, that can make or break any crew, no matter how good they are. Um, so I think we have the crew. And the relationship between me and Chris has been, you know, it, it's, you know, it, he's new to being a race engineer. He, he, he never done that before. So obviously that was a challenge for him. And I apologize. Uh, was he it, assistant engineer or performance engineer with you previously? I'm forgetting his, his prior role. So he was a simulation and strategist Ooh. basically. Um, so not the strategist that is in your ear, but actually, you know, trying to work out the race strategies, um, behind the scenes see folks don't know that there's there's the race strategist person who gets filmed right and looks very important and they're standing there with their leg propped up like captain morgan and they look like they're just making all the calls all right felix turn left turn right break pit you know there's actually a really smart person behind most of those strategists with their head buried in a laptop working fuel calculations and time calculations of if we pit here, it would put us out there and potentially leave us in open air or put us in a pack and kill lap time and blah, blah, right? But let's pay a little bit of respect to one of the, the kind of the, the unknown roles or, or less heralded roles where you go, don't get me wrong, the race strategists that everyone sees and knows, those are very important, very smart people. There's kind of someone in their ear feeding them uh, a lot of smart information to help them make those big, important decisions. Correct. And and Chris is still actually part of that uh, to a little bit of a lesser degree, but he's still doing that together with Billy Vincent, my my official strategist. The best. uh, Billy's the best, by the way. Love that guy. so actually, me, me and Chris uh, knew each other before I even joined the team. So when, when I was still at um, CGR, uh, me and Chris uh, 
got to know each other through a mutual friend. Um, Chris Lawrence, by the way, I apologize, had Chris, failed to mention his last Chris name, Lawrence. but Chris Lawrence, yes. So he was at the seven car, which was kind of random at the time when I joined the team. It's like, hey, we're buddies, and now we're on the same car. Cool. <laughs> and and uh, so he would work in the simulator a lot with me, which is kind of where we built our, let's say, on a working side, we built our relationship and how we communicate and talk about the car and such. So when when I when when Craig was going to what is now the seven car. It's kind of confusing with the number, but when, when Craig went to Ross's car, I was very keen on having Chris as my engineer. Cause we, at that time we didn't know who that guy was going to be. Um, but obviously he felt like he was ready. And I felt like the, the day, all the, those m- multiple days we had in the simulator and is talking about things. Well, he, he had a way of kind of understanding, uh, what I, what I like and what I, say about the car which i don't think i've had anyone yet in my career that that could understand me at that level and kind of put it into numbers in a nerdy engineer way <laughs> and uh so yeah we uh, he started working with me this year and you know the first couple of races he did awesome it didn't feel like he was new to this uh, line of work and and uh, and now I think so, during month of May something really clicked between me him and also Nigel my performance engineer where it, it, it's kind of that level where you just look at each other and he's like ah okay you need he, he needs a different role center you know <laughs> it's uh, it, it, it's very rare that you have that but I, I think if you look for example like Marcus has seen his engineer Brad like they clearly have a really good way of working with each other and and. I have to say, like after seeing that with Marcus, I was like, dude, I I need to find that because I think in IndyCar it's so underrated how you can have been the best team ever, you can have the best crew, the best pitch stops, but if you if you don't have that almost bromance with your engineer, it's gonna be hard because some people have that, and, it, and and when you get that, it's unbeatable. Amen. Well, let's uh, let's say farewell on this. So I wasn't there to see it. Uh, unfortunately, but Hey, a couple of years ago, I wrote America, uh, you done won your first IndyCar race and I see no reason why you can't go win your second at the very same place. But tell me about that, right? You never, as a young competitive driver, actually you're an old man. I don't know why I keep calling you young. You look young, but you're like 70 or whatever you are, man. Um, but, uh, you know, as a young driver in their career, you never want to look back too heavily on your first win. And obviously you're trying to add a second, but that was a pretty cool day. It, it sent, I don't know if it sent a message, Felix, it just confirmed what I think most people believed. And that was yes. This guy has race winning talent in IndyCar. I want to bring it up because not only we were turning back there, but to everything you just spoke on, like the, the, the feeling and the vibe of what's going on with you and that number six Chevy, it feels like you should have every reason to believe you can win this weekend. And if you don't win this weekend, mid Ohio, Iowa, Toronto, Nashville, you name it. You being able to get back to victory lane seems like it is imminently reasonable and possible. Tell me about that first win, though, man, and coming back to the place where it happened. Yeah, it's it's obviously uh, a nice reminder. It, it seems like a long time ago now, to be honest. I almost 
it, it's almost like you've forgotten about it because you've been so busy trying to do it all again. And uh, um, but yeah, it, it was a cool win, man. It was uh, it was a good battle with my with my brother Potato uh, till, <laughs> till the end, and uh, it was yeah, it was kind of. Yeah, it was the kind of win you want to have, you know. It wasn't like a full full course yellow deal or something weird. I think it was actually a full green flag race, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it was just a good old battle till the end, and some wheel banging and you know proper IndyCar racing. Um, and it, at the time in my career, it was I think it was more up and down. You know, one weekend I would finish P16 and I didn't know why and then I would go to Road America and I would win it and then the next weekend I would be P11. Like, it was... I look back at that time, like, I didn't really have that much control over you know, what I wanted from the car and, you know, strategy and what I was good at. Was was I good at fuel saving? Was I good at pushing? You know, I, I was still kind of lost a bit with uh, what I was uh, as an IndyCar driver, and and now coming back there, it's like, well, I I know how to do that, and I know how to do a bunch of other things, and I know, you know, what I want from the car. I'm working really well with my engineer, and I have a great team behind me. Uh, so it's yeah, it, it's it's kind of nice looking at it that way. Like I was I was able to do that pretty much more on a you know talent. The deal, I think, more than anything, and and now I have, you know, the same talent, but more experience and more drive and more, you know, more everything. So, so yeah, it, it's, uh, it's good, good vibes. Respect the V. That's all I'm saying, y'all. Felix Rosenquist, one of my uh, one of my favorite guys in the paddock. I, I need to have you on the podcast more because we always learn cool stuff and get really good insights. So. That's on me, and I suck, and I fail. But I will try to suck less and fail less. So that's my commitment to you. No, you're good, bro. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for the little pick-me-up there. All right. Well, I'll get to see you here uh, shortly. Um, hey, there's some cool movies coming out this weekend. Uh, I think The Flash comes out, like, Friday night or something like that. So, uh, The Flash? Yeah. And I, I don't know. There might be something else. So if you're there's bored. a movie drops. Yeah, and I'm staying in Fond du Lac, so I don't know if you're uh, where you're staying or whatever. But uh, if you're looking for a hot date Friday night, uh, I might buy you popcorn. So I like it. There you go. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, this is our man Felix Rosenquist doing, uh, continuing to do impressive things, and hopefully we'll have even more cool stuff to talk about once we are done this weekend in Road America. Thanks for joining in, and yes, sir. Thank you, man. <laughs>